The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. It's time to stop grumbling about the slow arrival of spring and do something about it. So the UCAP gang have taken to the skies and are now all gathered together in Lakeland, Florida for the 2007 edition of the Sun and Fun Fly-In. They're enjoying the hospitality of their new friends at Sun and Fun Radio, who are actually broadcasting the podcast live. That could turn out to be a mistake, but we appreciate their confidence. It's going to be different doing the podcast with the whole gang all in the same place at the same time, but for 80-degree weather, it's a chance we're willing to take. There are airplanes everywhere you look, the weather's fine, and the adult beverages are due any time now. So let's get started with Uncontrolled Airspace, episode number 25. It's going to be a hot one. You can't find a better kickoff to the spring flying season than Sun and Front Lakeland, Florida. The real value of, of Sun and Fun is kind of getting the aviation juices flowing again. We're going to have a good time. We're going to make some more memories at Sun and Fun this year. Welcome back. This is part two of our special edition of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast. This episode was recorded during the 2007 Sun and Fun Fly-In, live from the Fly-In grounds. The recording session was also broadcast live on Sun and Fun Radio. When we left off in part one, we were talking with Dale Klapmeyer of Cirrus Design. We're going to rewind a bit and resume back at the beginning of our talk with Dale. And, you know, that one of the great things about Sun and Fun is the variety of people that you have drop by the virtual hangar. And uh, we just had uh, one of the uh, duo that's done some genius work in general aviation in the last decade. And that's Dale Klepmeyer from Cirrus Design up in Duluth, Minnesota. They introduced their Generation 3 Cirrus here at the show a couple of days ago. Welcome, Dale. Well, thank you. Thank you. And good evening. It's nice to be here. Great to have you here. Great Thanks to have so you. much. <laughs> Thanks. Now the uh, you know very very often we hear about uh, you know uh, uh, new and exciting new and improved in a lot of businesses but in the case of the G3 this is really more than moving the cigarette lighter and changing the paint scheme isn't it Dale Yeah like uh, so many projects I think that we start we we think you know well, this is going to be easy this is going to be a simple project let's just you know we can improve a few things here uh, this was a huge project <laughs> Uh, redesigning the wing uh, was, it started as a, uh, a project where we were going to retool the wing, make it far more efficient to build. And you can't just go in and retool something without touching it. And once you start touching it, you can, uh, from what we've learned over the years, we can definitely make it a lot better. The might so as well take over. Yep, While yep, you're in there, so you might as well do you this. Might you might well. as well do that. If we're so going to we, do this, we, we should it. do that. And if we're going to do that, we should do the other thing. And yep. next thing you know, you got a whole new generation Cirrus. Exactly. And it, it is a, a tremendous change to the airplane. It uh, not only is a lot lighter and it carries more fuel, it will be easier for us to build, you know, much improved tooling. So we will have a very, very accurate, specific wing now. So weight will be controlled to, you know, probably less than a pound between airplanes. So a very, very uh, impressive tooling set. But then in addition to that, you know, we worked on all the little things that have 
been annoyances to Alan and I over the years. You know, when we got into the interior, clean up a little of those things that you stare at while you're flying, saying, you know, I wish that fit better, you know, and things like that. So the interior is, again, nicer, and we cleaned up the how the lighting worked inside, and as well as the recognition lights on the, the wing. And so, so is the G3 series now going to be both the 22 and the 20 uh, series? Uh, how is the G3 going to apply to your fleet? It is, uh, it's just the, tw the 22 okay. at this point. Uh, we will uh, certainly someday go back and update the, the 22, and, or the 20, I mean, and do the next generation 20 as well. But uh, this wing was designed for the, the 22. Okay. What are its benefits as far as when compared to the standard wing? Well, the things that uh, the, the biggest benefit that the pilots will notice is, first of all, it's 50, 60 pounds lighter okay. than uh, the airplane has been in the past. So, so you get a, a higher useful load. <laughs> yep. It increased the useful load. You know, we lowered our empty weight. We increased our fuel by 11 gallons, oh, so we wow, carry okay. 92 gallons usable fuel. So again, it's you know another 40 minutes uh, flying time. Uh, we took the uh, ice panels and extended them from root fuselage to tip, rather than uh, the TKIS uh, the ice de-icing uh, system. De -ice system. We uh, worked on the design of those to get rid of uh, you know we had some flow issues. We're out at the tip; it didn't flow as nicely as we wanted, and through some redesign on how that worked, get much better flow through the entire TKS system. We changed the heating ventilation system. Okay. Again, a far nicer, more automotive uh, system where you can set your temperatures and you set your oh. fan speeds and your air flows nicer. Went from mechanical <laughs> switches to servos, didn't you? Uh, we have some servos in it. It's uh, both mechanical now and and servo. You mean automotive ergonomics are finally finding their way to general aviation? I'm shocked, we, shocked. We're uh, we're getting there. You know, we uh, we picked something that was, I think, very elegant, simple, easy to understand. A few servos in it, but it's still a system where, you know, if you don't have your power system on, you want air, you turn a switch, you get air. Yeah. You know, those type of things. So it's still. It's still a mechanical system, which we still like in an airplane, sure. but it, uh, it'll it look more like what you expect to see in a car and work far closer to what you get in a car. Excellent. And th this isn't underdevelopment stuff that uh, the, 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 the owner, pilot, the buyers will see someday. This is here and now, isn't it? Right. This is uh, in production. And uh, another thing that uh, we did over the past month, which uh, I'm really proud of the manufacturing team that we have, we were able to ramp down g2 production and ramp up g3 production in one month going from 15 a week of g2s and starting out at 16 a week g3s wow in one month Amazing. changed the entire wing manufacturing tool tooling system turn off one turn on the next well in addition to the lighter weight of the of the g3 wing and the greater fuel capacity are there any performance uh, improvements, a, a greater span or a different cord design, something like that, that makes the airplane different or better? Yeah, we, uh, we changed the dihedral from okay. four and a half degrees to five and a half degrees. So with that change, we were able to take the aileron rudder interconnect out. Now with the, the interconnect that we had before, which worked very nice, uh, when you pushed on the rudder, you would get aileron sure. input, but if you move the aileron, you're not feeling it in, in the rudder. 
So it's still a very nice system, but it's systems of springs in there that each annual, you know, somebody's in there rigging and playing with these things, getting it all set up nice. Labor intensive. All that's gone. You know, there isn't anything now that it's, Sim- it's sim- all gone. Simplified it, the control nice. architecture a bit, didn't it? It it did. It simplified it, and it's now even nicer to fly. I have to uh, interject something here because uh, it's just something to be here at this moment and be talking about the newest innovations. Back in the early 1990s, if you were into uh, aviation and you remember that we had our traditional products and our beat-up right. 152s right. to learn in and whatnot, started seeing ads, the secret of Hangar X, the secret of Hangar oh, X. Oh, I remember that. What is, what is this about? Well, it's going 90s. to be announced at, uh, at Oshkosh, and that was the first year that uh, we started doing the daily newspaper up there again. and What Dave we now Higdon call AirVenture Today. And I were dispatched to go and find out at the unveiling of what the secret of Hangar X was. So, Dave, you took the photos. I wrote the story, and that was probably the first in print that actually told about what the singer, uh, secret of Hangar X. We talked about the Cirrus, and at that time it was like, okay, well, how many other people have made, they've come here with something it said it's going to be new, it's going to be big, it's going to be bold, and where are they today? Here, we know where Cirrus is today. Back then, Dale, did you foresee, you and Alan, when you were looking ahead, tell me about this, did you foresee that you would be a dozen years down where you are today? Yeah, yeah. you know, I, I like the question because it's, it's a fun question to, to answer. With the, with the Hangar X uh, um, advertising program, the marketing program, that was a ball. I mean, we had a lot of fun with that, and we're playing it again a little bit, I'd say, with our puzzle on the on the jet. But when we were uh, jet, did I hear, when did we're I hear uh, the word jet, oh, yeah, they're, we'll they're teasing that. us with the jet, just the same way they did with the yeah. hangar X. With the hangar X, it's a tease there with the the hangar X, and the the whole time when we were showing little bits and pieces of the airplane in the hangar X, you know, a covered airplane in the hangar, we didn't want to lead on that it was actually the SR twenty was the secret in there. And uh, the SR-20 was designed to be the airplane, well, it was, the design goal was an airplane that my wife would wa- rather fly in than drive. So the entire design philosophy was around, my wife is going to like this airplane. So and all that, these Cirrus the owners should be sending flowers to your wife. That's right, right. She was the driver, <laughs> and she will now, I mean, if we can't fly, we don't go. So it, yeah. it worked. <laughs> So at, at that time, I mean, we had uh, at that time been marketing the VK-30, which in uh, 86, when we first introduced it, Alan and I, uh, being right out of ca- college, you know, where you know everything, you can do anything, you fly anything, you build anything. We introduce our airplane. We figure, well, we'll just line the people up. One of us will take orders. The other one will keep the crowds in line. Was not a, the, the VK-30 was not a market marketing success so when we introduced about about 30 odd of them wasn't it (laughs) when we introduced the 20 we thought you know what we were doing is building an airplane that we thought would have mass appeal but we were still a little gun shy because we thought the vk-30 would have mass appeal and we certainly learned a lot of lessons from that on what people really wanted but when they say you know did we ever dream that Cirrus would get to this point and we can honestly say yeah this is what we dreamed about we thought it would be a lot easier, a lot faster. <laughs> but what we dreamed about was to be mass-producing a production uh, 
sought after general aviation airplane. We wanted to be producing an airplane for transportation, you know, owner flown private general aviation airplane. Our dream, and I don't ever see myself building airplanes for me where I'm sitting in the back. You know, right. I'm not going to be in the back right. with the hired hand driving me around. Right. I want to be flying, and we're building airplanes that we want, that Alan and I are dreamed about, and we always want to be in the front left. Right. Well, and one, of, one of the things that I've always loved about Cirrus, even back in the mystery days when a lot of us in aviation journalism were trying to decipher what some of the mysteries of Hangar X were, is that we very quickly found out that these guys were pushing the envelope in a way that the rest of the industry said could not happen, never going to happen. Airplane's going to be standard equipped with an airframe recovery parachute system. And now, my hometown's Wichita, Kansas, and I can't tell you how many times I heard from very authoritative people in the general aviation business in Wichita how that would never sell. And uh, it was the first production airplane on the market that had a large glass multifunction display to help you with navigating across the country. So we got two cutting edge here, thing, cutting edge things here, that conventional wisdom said weren't going to happen and it just goes to show you that conventional wisdom isn't necessarily all that wise and how many aircraft have you all delivered by now uh not counting today be, uh, 17 or 18 yeah we're probably about 3400 or so alan took the 3000th airplane in november okay is his airplane dale hopefully we have some youngsters listening who are dreaming about aviation and thinking about the future is there room for your story is so inspiring. Is there room for somebody else to do that? There, there, there absolutely is. You know, there's, there is, and when I, when I walk now through some of the uh, companies that are are starting that are are building airplanes and, and trying to develop, I'll walk into them, and my first thought, you know, I'm now been through this enough, and I'm sure I'm thinking like Cessna did. I look at it and go. These guys are never going to make it. <laughs> At the same time, I walk out going, we looked like this 10 years ago. Yeah, they can make it. They work hard enough. They want it. They can make it. Well, that's what and they were saying about you guys. It, it, you guys will never exactly. get an airplane certified, let alone produced. Oh, well, you might get it certified, but uh, you won't sell enough to it's, stay in business. It's not going to catch yep. on. Yep. Yeah, and when, yeah. when I look at where we were, you know, and when we are out trying to raise money to build the SR-20, uh, when we got that started when we introduced it i was 30 years old you know now 30 years old looks like a kid and i'm thinking oh geez what did we look like when we're walking into a banker saying you know what there's an industry that nobody's made money at in the last decade it's gone from 17,000 airplanes down to about 900 uh you know we've never done it before either we've never built other than a few kits but you know what we can do it and all you have to do is invest 100 million dollars that's all it takes. That's yeah. all it is. Just, just, it just piece of cake. The old axiom that uh, you know all it takes to make a uh, small fortune in aviation is start with a large one. Yep, and we're uh, we're actually trying to change that. We want to. We so far, so good. Change that so far, around. So far, so good. So, what else can you tease us with about uh, the jet we hear? What's about? next? Uh, the jet. Well, the one official thing that we can say about the jet is. It's going to be really cool. Really <laughs> cool. <laughs> the jet, we are, uh, we are building it with the exact same philosophy that we built the 20 and the 22. 
know, it's the we're building it where it is a personal transportation airplane. The owner is going to be in the front left seat. He has a relationship with the other people in the airplane. You know, whether it be family, customers, friends, clients, there's a relationship. So you have to take that relationship into account, as we did in the the 20 and 22. But we're we're building it to be a step up. It's the next airplane. If you're flying in a 22, what are you aspiring to? You know, you're not aspiring to a, uh, well, you might be, and actually we probably all are, but you're not saying, well, my next airplane is going to be a Citation 5. Or a G3. You know, what is, what's the next step? You want to go a little bit faster? You want to go a little higher? You want to carry a little bit more? You want to go a little bit farther? You want to be a little bit bigger? That's what our jet is. In the past, those would be piston airplanes. Right. They were piston twins, pressurized twins. You'd get a little bigger, a little faster, go a little farther, carry a little bit more. Well, now we're not going to power. We're taking that philosophy. We're taking, you know, our next step. And instead of powering it with piston engines, we're going to put a jet engine on the back. And it's a single engine, personal it's jet, four place, engine. composite, just like the uh, SR20 and 22. Well, it'll carry more people than the 22. It will be composite. Oh, cool. Uh It will carry more. It will fly higher. It will fly faster. It will fly further. Uh, But then, you know, Alan always says it will be the slowest, lowest, uh, shortest range jet out there because we don't see this as a jet. We're not out competing with the jet market. We're saying this is your step-up airplane. So it it's, a, it's a six-seat Cirrus, but with a different power plant. It just happens to have a different power plant. That's right. it, it's a different power plant. I'm not saying whether it's six or... Uh, or five. Or, or five or, or seven, seven or nine. There's okay. got to be a lot of propeller manufacturers out there crying at the business they're not going to get on this one. Well, actually, what it is, it's propeller airplane just with a whole bunch of little short props. Ah. <laughs> little okay. short blades in there. That's, that's another way to look Doesn't at it. Doesn't go suck, squeeze, bang, blow. It goes you, spin, squeeze, bang, burn. Are you saying anything about a timetable for flights, developments, deliveries? Can we buy a delivery position? <laughs> Things like that. You know, we are uh, we are selling positions. and uh, Got a few of those sold already, don't we've you? Got, uh, we've got a, a number of them sold. Uh, they're a hundred thousand dollar deposit to, to uh-huh. get in line, and people are doing that without knowing what they're getting. And we're not telling exactly what we're producing or what we will produce. Again, because this industry is full of the "I'm going to do," right, and you don't ever get it done. So we don't want to say what it will be until we can say this is what it'll be, mm-hmm. because you know we started building our first mock-up of this airplane in. Uh, well, 2001, we were building the first mock-up. And it's changed a lot over the last six years. It's changed some over this year. We know it's going to change over next year. We haven't finalized all the suppliers that we want. Are you going so to be forced to change the carpet in your booth? The carpet in our booth? <laughs> yes. From traffic. Yeah, the one with the silhouette. To, uh, oh. No, that won't change. Okay. Although, the one thing I'll say, when we, uh, when we were laying out the carpet... We were trying to give it a perspective shadow from the current airplane. It is not to scale. Understood. Because we have people laying Understood. underneath the airplane measuring it. You know, and I think they're back there designing their own airplane now. And we'd say, you know, what we were looking for is the right perspective feel from the airplane above, but it's not to scale. Which just reinforces the maxim that pilots are perhaps among the most anal retentive people on Earth. 
Dale, you've also helped revolutionize things with the shared plane ownership concept, buying into some companies that have done that and uh, enabling more people to to own a part of it as much as they need. What what about that in the jet? Are you looking at that now? Yeah, if you mean uh, the Satsair, the uh, air taxi business, uh, uh, Satsair is an independent company. We have a small minor minority uh, piece in it. Um, we're helping Satsair kind of out how we can because we do believe in air taxi. We think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know which model it's going to work, whether it's uh, Satsair's model or Dayjet's model or, you know, there's a number of these different ideas of how it's going to work. But what we believe is that it makes sense. People are going to say, I want to fly from this airport to that one, and I don't care what you do after that, but I'll pay you for that trip. It, it makes sense. So we wanted to spur that along. We want to prove the concept. We want to prove the concept that it works with a single-engine piston. And the uh, 22 is the first single-engine piston that's got all-weather uh, night IFR what so, about or charter IFR. So it's the first Part 135 single-engine airplane that's ever gotten all-weather. All so it shows that this can be done. And with a single-engine airplane, you can do it at less cost than, than you can with a twin or with, uh, with a jet. But at the same time, it certainly doesn't fit every model. There's a place that a jet makes more sense than a piston. There's a place that a piston makes more sense. So we're trying to learn and develop that market because we want to see that grow. We want to see, we want to see the country covered, the world covered with air taxi operations flying Cirrus airplanes. So with the jet, yeah, we hope that the jet will be a part of that. But we're not designing the jet with the idea of how does it work for air taxi. We're designing the jet for how does it work for the guy who owns it and flies it every day. And with that operation and that scenario, we believe that makes sense in an air taxi, or it, it can make sense in an air taxi, but we're not designing it for the air taxi. What about for the fractional owner-flown market? Do you see, why do yeah, you see that evolving? Is that going to happen? Yep, yep, and there's, uh, there's a few successful fractional operations out there. That, again, is a, the same thing. It, it makes so much sense because uh, airplanes are becoming so complicated. You know, there's so many databases that have to be kept up to, to date, you know, and there's, there's so much to just owning an airplane. A fractional operation takes care of all that. You want, when you want the airplane, you use it, and, you know, most of the time your airplane is sitting, you know. And if it's sitting, so what if somebody else is using it? That works fine. If somebody else is taking care of all those things, when I want the airplane, I want my airplane to be clean, set up the way I want it. I don't want to know that somebody else has flown it. The fractional operations can make that happen to where, you know, it's not just a partnership where, you know, every time Joe flies my airplane, he leaves a soda can in it, you know, and it pisses me off. With the fractional operations, when you take your airplane, it's clean, it's ready to go, it's up to date, you know, the oil's changed. It's the way you want it every single time. You're just sharing the cost with a number of other people. So, again, it's, I think it is going to be a huge part of aviation's future. And anybody who has any doubt about the all-weather capability, it bears pointing out that Cirrus design is based in a place that challenges cold yeah. weather flying on an annual yeah, basis. It's, it's a little a place called cold. Duluth. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dry cold. <laughs> 
Before we forget, tell us uh, where's your booth? Where where are your exhibits here at Sun and Fun? Um, right over there. <laughs> you know, For those I, of I you don't know what this, the, I don't know on the flight the line what the number is, but it's. Uh, what would that be? The you know the it's near the what? southern it's main commercial area yeah. uh, on Along the, the taxiway out toward Warbirds, and uh, it's really hard to miss the big black truck with the gold paint yeah. scheme. So yep. well, we got and, and if you folks show up while Sun and Fun's still going on, and you need directions, just grab one of us. We can point you right to it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and yeah, for people listening, corner from the FAA building is that? There you right? go. Oh, All right, there you go. And for folks listening to the podcast later on, uh, you guys must have a presence on the web. Where how would they find about you? Find out more about this stuff. On your website. Yep, www.cirrusdesign.com. And there you uh, go. yep, we actually just launched our new website uh, with the introduction of the G3. So Sunday night we turned on the new website. Oh, wow. So it uh, operates differently than it has in the past. And uh, so far it's operating very smoothly. But if you do find a glitch, let us know because <laughs> with anything in, in uh, computers, we found that they're I, I, there. I, I gotta ask one more thing here, real quickly. This is Cirrus broke the mold when the SR20 and then in tune uh, in time the 22 came out, and they were standard equipped with a parachute system for airframe recovery from ballistic recovery systems (BRS) in uh, South Saint Paul, Minnesota. Uh, how's the jet figure into that picture? The uh, the parachute is something we believe in. It, uh, it's, it, it's not there as a gimmick. It's not there because we think somebody's spouse is going to like it, although we do think people's spouses are going to yeah. like it. It's there because Alan was involved in a mid-air collision back in 1985. A friend of ours died in the accident. Alan was able to get his airplane down. He got out of the airplane and said, there has to be another way. Right. People are involved. We will make mistakes as people. If there is something out there that can help us in that scenario, let's do it. So we believe in that. We're, we're going to put it on the jet. Now, it's a big challenge. It was a huge challenge to put it on the 20 and then on the 22. And the, the jet will be another challenge. But it's, it's technically, it's work. And this isn't Gildan DeLilly. Lily. The Cirrus airframe parachute systems actually saved real human beings yeah, from death, hasn't it? Yes. Yep. We've had uh, 10 deployments, 23 people. And again, you know, in our industry, we've always got the uh, he should have guys out there, <laughs> which, you know, the second look at it, you know, the hindsight. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of things that in every accident you can say hey, he should have done this and they wouldn't have had an accident. But in this industry, you know, 500 people a year should have done something different. Right. If we got an opportunity, you know, whether somebody pulls the, the parachute when they should have done something else, we don't really care. Pull the parachute and say, I should have done something when you're safe on the ground. But it's absolutely a viable option when you've got it and an option that you don't have if you don't. Yep. And yep. I, I, I can tell you from uh, years uh, flying hang gliders and ultralights that had recovery parachute systems on it, that there's, there's, there's never that thought in there, I'm, I'm, I'm launching because I've got the parachute. But there are those moments when you say, man, I'm glad that puppy is up there. Yep. And, and when we walk the line now in the LSA industry, which I strongly support, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful what Cessna's doing. And it... Uh, 
so many of those airplanes have recovery systems on it, people are going to grow up saying this is the way airplanes are supposed to be. And I see in the future where all the airplanes have them. You know, Alan, all the years you guys have been in business, all the years recovery parachute systems have been a fact of life for hang glider and ultralights and light sport planes. It still amazes me that all the years Cirrus has been producing airplanes, you guys are still the only ones that offer that equipment. It was a, uh, it was a huge project putting it in, though. I mean, it was, it was another one of those that uh, it seemed really easy. <laughs> We thought we were going to go to the desert, push three chutes out the back of uh, C-123 and have the parachute certified. <laughs> we bombed the desert. <laughs> yeah, there's a few dead gophers out there in that desert. Well, yeah. do, you, do you hear from the, your suppliers of the parachutes whether there has been sort of interest or talks from some of the other manufacturers that have come and said to them, you know, we're interested. Do you think you could do something with our airframe? Or... Would you not hear about that? I'm just curious whether there's any scuttlebutt about uh, other major GA manufacturers looking the, at that. Yeah, there is. You know, and I'm sure BRS is working with uh, other manufacturers outside of just the LAS, LSA industry. Um, they're obviously not talking to us, but we we talk to the people here at shows and, and around well, it. Well, some of them got to be coming to you guys saying, you know, how's this work and does this work? Well, they do, and then they'll also come back and say, you know, I, I asked Cessna, is it going to be on the next generation airplane? I've asked Diamond. I've talked to them. And a few years ago, the answer would have been absolutely no way it's not going to go on our airplane. Now they're coming back saying, you know what, nobody's saying no anymore. I don't it's know if they're doing it, but they're not saying that's a bad idea anymore. Dale, one of the aircraft on the field I'm sure you've you've seen uh, is, is – uh, Basically, what some might call a high-wing version of the Cirrus. It's the Cessna NGP. What, what is your reaction to Cessna developing that airplane? More importantly, um, what might be on Cessna, uh, Cirrus's uh, horizon after the jet? What, what, what else is in your bag of tricks? Uh, first part of the question, uh, when Cessna said they're going to come out and develop the next-generation piston, uh, if uh, if nothing else, our legacy might be that uh, Cirrus forced Cessna to redesign an sure, airplane. Sure. What I think it shows is that there's confidence in this market. The industry makes sense. The industry's working. It makes sense to develop product for this this industry. You can survive in in aviation. You can build product. You can make a profit. Mm -hmm. The industry is healthy. It's getting more healthy. Cessna building a new airplane is great. It's great for us. It will bring in more people into the industry. What we're after is how do you grow the industry? We think we get our share. We, we'll get people. If, our, if we're all out there promoting the industry, we get our share. Cessna gets their share. Diamond right. gets their share. So it, I think it helps. It, it helps us. It makes everything in the industry more healthy, which is better. Now, at the same time, when we started on the 20, we didn't start the 20 saying we're going to build a 20 and a 22 and right, right. go off into the sunset. You know, I, I, I admire Cessna at, with the, the tradition and the family from the two-seater to the four-seater to the six-seater, the twins, the jets, a family of airplanes. That's always been our dream sure. 
as well. And again, we thought it'd be easier and take a lot less time. But you know, that's our that's our dream. So did so, Clyde Cessna. Yeah. Well, and there's got to be something so about invitation got, being the sincerest well, form of flattery. Exactly a point I was going to make. I mean, it's got to be gratifying. I mean, if I were if I were sitting in your seat, uh, I would be uh, uh, waking up in the middle of the night saying, you know, Cessna's Cessna's out there. They got an airplane. They're trying to compete with us now, and that's that's just really cool. And I, then I'd roll over and go back to sleep. But, but I mean, you've you got you to gotta kind of think that. I, at least I would. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's great for us. I mean, a healthy industry is what will make us sure. successful. If we're the only one, you know, the, it's like the one car dealer on the corner doesn't make any money. If there's four car dealers there, they all make money because you come to, you come to buy a car, you go there, and you, you buy the right. best car, right. and, you, you know, you're all healthy. That's what we need in this industry, and that's where we are. I mean, we're, we're all growing. The entire industry is growing. The entire infrastructure will grow. The success of, of us depends on healthy FBOs and people walking in and learning to fly in new, unique, interesting airplanes. So when they f- drive in into their Lexus, if you're getting into a 35-year-old airplane with torn seats and half the instruments taped over because they don't work, you get out saying, well, if this is aviation, I'm not interested. Right. And, and so the entire industry being healthy is great for us. And, and we, as, well, as far as the competition goes, you know, yeah, part of me would say, you know, I'd like to not have any competition sh- out there. But we're going to make new airplanes. We've got lots of ideas what our next airplane is mm-hmm. and where our family line is going to go. And I would say it, it doesn't change based on, on Cessna, although... It always changes based on the competition. We're always watching and learning and talking to all of the customers, trying to understand what do they want, what do, what do they need next. Right. And that's what we're going to develop. And we're going to keep making the current airplanes better, and we are working on other designs. And Good answer. Good what answer. do you think is the biggest challenge now facing the future of general aviation? Uh, regulatory issues. I mean that that's the that's the dog at our our throat. Uh, you know, it it's very scary when people say you know they look at the European system as a success. It's like, you know, that that's not successful. Here no, is no. here is the success. The the entire world is looking at the U.S. as the success, and the U.S. is looking everywhere else. They're like that's that's scary. When you say regulatory issues, are you thinking in terms of user fees? Are you thinking in terms of pilot certification, aircraft certification? It, it it's a little bit of of all of that. User okay. fees is going to be a problem. Uh, you know, all the talk of you got to go through metal detectors to go out to your airplane, you know, to get into your little uh, 150 oh my God. because y- you got 500 pounds in there with you and your fuel, and it, you know, well, big deal. You know, it's so little it, it's insane. Those issues it? And I still don't have scared. to have a background check to rent a rider truck, but that's that's yeah, right. Wrong. Right, you can take your. 30,000 pound truck up to, to a building, but you can't fly a 500 right. pound airplane. So it, it's those issues that are, are concerning, you know, it's, uh, and, and it, it is, it's, it's pilot certification and, um, Dale, uh, you have been a wellspring of good Absolutely. stuff to talk Absolutely. about. Thank you enough for stopping we want to thank you Thanks. so much for taking the time the to stop by. Also. And maybe well, you'll join you. us on the regular podcast, which we do by telephone uh, every week. Maybe we'll talk to you in a month or two from now. Well, we'd like that. That'd yeah, be great. This is, this is fun. So we're, we're all, any place where we can get out and promote the industry, we want to be there. Well, our great. thanks to Dale, 
and uh, Brother Allen, and we wish continued success to Cirrus, although I don't think they need our wishes for that. <laughs> I think they'll do just but fine we'll with them. or without Thank us. You. Thank you, Dale. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Thanks. Now, we, uh, you know, we run a nice, loose, virtual hangar here, and hangar flying is the name of the game. And uh, we've got an unexpected visitor here in the form of a former acting administrator of the uh, Federal Aviation Administration, a longtime director of the Experimental Aircraft Association, a very active pilot, and a great all-around wacko like the rest of us. Barry Valentine, welcome to Uncontrolled Airspace. Very much. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. It was a nice surprise to see you as I walked by. Yeah, we uh, didn't exactly give you a heads up on this, did we? <laughs> Not at all. That's what I got for coming up to say hi and shake your hand. We have to and, get and that, this is that what rope it, off his neck here this, shortly. This, this is what the draft again. is like, too. That's right. <laughs> now, uh, Barry's, Barry's not only everything that uh, Dave uh, described, but he's also a good friend of uh, the podcast and, and the individuals here. So it's, it's a pleasure to have you, Barry. Thank you for stopping by. My pleasure as well. It's delightful to be here and to see you guys here, and it's always always uh, adds to the, the experience when I know you guys are around keeping an eye on things. See, that's what I say, too. Yeah, Ad, Adds to the experience. <laughs> exactly. exactly. That. I, I have to think about that a while, uh, but nevertheless, I'll take that on the good side. Barry, now, tell us a little bit about some of the things you've seen so far at the fly-in since you've been here. Well, I've... Uh, Noticed obviously on the sort of on the uh, light end of things the fact that the um, uh, evolvement of uh, light sport aircraft um, is very evident when you walk along the line here and out there yeah. to see how that's maturing and how that's become a, a much more significant portion of uh, what's exhibited here um, and it's been interesting to watch that evolve in the last two or three years and see it now you know somewhat mature here. Yeah, we David and I walked uh, around uh, Paradise uh, City earlier today. And uh, looking at a few of the finished aircraft, uh, I won't name names, but probably because I'll screw it up and, and get it wrong. But uh, the, f the fit and finish on some of the airframes uh, was a a as good as you'll ever see, uh, even on a Boeing for that matter. Um, the, uh, the engines uh, uh, look durable. They look like they're well-designed and, and well-manufactured. Uh, the, the fittings, uh, the instrumentation the avionics, all of that is up to snuff, and it, it, it just shows me the, the normal and, and necessary maturation uh, of that class of aircraft. And uh, the only thing I would, I would remark is that it's, it's been a relatively short period of time that that has come about. And uh, here we're looking at a, a very dynamic, very vibrant market for that class of aircraft, and it's uh, very exciting. It's very exciting. Oh, absolutely it is. As we all know, for a long period of time, you had two choices, basically either had to take out a very large checkbook to, to buy one that came out of a factory or you had to build it in your garage or basement. And those are really the only two options depending upon your circumstances. And, and, uh, and finally, I think everybody that's been involved in this process was wise enough to see that, that we needed the other alternative as a way to get people into flying. Can I ask a question here from your expertise, obviously uh, involved in the government? Uh, I go to Oshkosh every year and the administrator comes and, and talks with the GA pilots, and it's typically a good interchange. And during the last year now, with reauthorization coming up, plans have been advanced to, it seems, shift the approach to dealing with general aviation. I think a lot of people in the GA community feel kind of the FAA is almost turned on them. Are we missing something in the, the FAA's approach to general aviation? Or am I missing some 
is there a misunderstanding? Or, or is there really a big red bullseye on our back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you comment on what's going on now with the FAA's approach to not to put you on the spot or anything? The airspace. Well, I'm going to actually have to offer a disclaimer to start with, and that's um, I retired about a year and a half ago, but I still do a little consulting work. And uh, currently, I consult to a firm that, in turn, has a contract with the FAA. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So obviously, I'm going to be, you know, it'd be prudent for me to be somewhat uh, careful about what I say. But um, I think what you're seeing with regard to the whole issue of user fees and and uh, and this change is uh, something that um, transcends all of government. There's been a tendency for a number of years now to uh, privatize things that were, were tasks that were normally and historically performed by government. Um, I live in the Washington area, and, uh, and I work in D.C., and I've seen that go on um, such that, although it's interesting that the size of the federal government is not growing that significantly, the amount of federal dollars that are going out to the private sector as subcontractors to the government um, is growing very dramatically. And so there's been this trend um, and it's been coming on for a number of years now to uh, to basically shift away from government those services that um, government feels that the private sector could do better. Um, and also in the case of the services that government still provides, um, to have the users of those services be the ones who pay directly for the services. So what I see is the um, FAA and aviation simply caught up in that larger process sure. that's going sure. on. Now, la- la- last time you and I had a chance to visit briefly, uh, you, you, you were shopping for another airplane. Has anything happened there? For another one other than the one I bought or the one I bought? The one you bought. What I bought. No, I, I still have the one I bought. I bought that. Uh, that's right. I guess I was still shopping when I saw you. That's right. Yeah, I bought. Uh, can I tell you what it is? Yes, right. yeah. please, please do. I don't know if I'm supposed to do brand names here or not. No. Actually, I bought, a, I bought a 1975 Cessna 150 Texas tail dragger. Cool. Uh, nice airplane. Horton stole yeah. kit and, uh, and a few other mods I won't mention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what kind of TSA like tracking device. Yeah. What kind of flying do you like to do? Where do you like to take that plane? Um, I'm based on the uh, eastern side of the Chesapeake Bay, Baybridge Airport. And I like to take the airplane out and just fly around what's known as the Delmarva Peninsula. And just uh, no particular destination, no particular goal, just the pure pleasure of flying. Well, I know that, uh, that airport. I know that area. Uh, about four years ago, there was a gentleman, a Swiss air pilot, who became the first pilot to fly around the world one way, turn around and fly back around the other way. And somebody asked him, what is the most marvelous thing you saw? And he said, coming over the Delmarva Peninsula, I don't know if he said coming over that part with the Chesapeake Bay in everything he saw in that round-the-world trip. That's that, what was uh, number one. That is one. a beautiful area. It really it is. Truly From is. the air, it is it's a spectacularly beautiful area. And, and, uh, and I, you know, very fortunate to happen to be based and located there and have the pleasure of flying there. And now that you've retired from the daily commute, you getting to enjoy it a little more, I hope? I am enjoying it a whole lot more. Yeah, I, I waited for almost 11 years for a hangar at that airport. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, I was number, I don't know, 30 or something when I signed up, and it took that long to get to number one. And uh, I was actually wow. here at Sun and Fun two years ago when my wife called and said to me, Guess who just called? And of course, there's this black. I remember sitting in a little, right. a, a little watering hole down here. Right, you were just, I remember you were about that. as excited as a kid on Easter Day that right. found the golden egg. That's right. I said to my wife, I don't know who called, you know, and so forth. <laughs> she said, the airport called. And I said, you're kidding. She said, nope, there's a hangar available. 
and they want to know if you want it. So, I mean, five minutes later after I hung up from yeah, her, I called Dancing yes. in the street time, yeah. Yep. But you, you, you were talking about uh, replacing the Texas tail dragger, and I take it that hadn't happened. Hasn't happened yet, no. I mean, as I've been walking around Sun and Fun here the last two days, I told my wife this afternoon when I called her, I've only seen about seven or eight airplanes. She I didn't want. let you bring <laughs> the checkbook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in that very large hangar that I hope she can pay for someday. She, she, she didn't should let I you hold bring that the credit card for you, Barry, so you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> Uh, how much flying do you get in in a year now that, now that you've got more time to devote to it? Um, I, I try to get over there once or twice um, uh, a week if I can. That's right. great. Because I'm, I'm great. only 50 minutes away from the hangar. If I look outside and it's a nice flying day, I can run over there and go fly. So and uh, tell me how you got the hangar rigged up. You got a couch in there? What do you have for I, I No, couch. Actually, I do have it rigged up fairly nicely, I will tell you that. I, I went to uh, a, a, a large home supply store and uh, bought the little um, rectangular rubber pads you put down. So I've got it mostly floored, as it were, and, uh, and have workbenches in there, and I've got the chairs and the tables uh-huh. and the whole bed. Hey, oh, yeah, it's all set up. we got to have a Pimp My Hanger episode. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I'd we love to have you all come mine. over and hang out and visit. Absolutely. <laughs> and your hanger really could use some pimping oh, if you man. get all the motorcycles uh, out of it. I, I'd, I'd let Jack describe my hanger. I think it defies description. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. He's got motorcycles everywhere you look. Because I drove down, so I drove down from Boston. I stayed overnight at his home, and then we drove out the next morning to his hangar to get on the airplane. And I'm telling you, at his home, at his hangar, everywhere you look, there's another motorcycle. Well, it just shows you the degree. We're going to kick you out of the airplane club. The degree degree of confusion here, because he keeps thinking some of those motorcycles will grow wings. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting. I I was comparing uh, some of the. the manufacturing brands uh, over at Paradise City with some of the stuff I see on motorcycles, and there is cross pollination between the two. Oh, big time, big time! So, Barry, tell if if you if you were you, you're talking to a lot of GA pilots here today on through our podcast, and uh, to come back to this reauthorization uh, issue, just one last little bit. What would you have to say to other pilots like us? about this fight should they make their voices known should they sit on their hands and hope for the best uh, i mean what would you be doing oh not at all you need to make your voices known absolutely um anybody who knows anything about washington and how how the system works uh you need to be heard and you need to be heard in large numbers and you need to be heard as loud as you can make your voice heard that means contract contact your local the, the senators from your state your local member of the House of Representatives, uh, AOPA, EAA, they all have ways for you to get involved, regardless of which outfit or both outfits you send checks to. Barry's message is don't sit on your hands, make your voice known no matter how you feel. And one of the more interesting developments in this reauthorization and and user fee battle this year has been, uh, uh, and I don't know the exact name of it, but there was a general aviation coalition formed here in recent weeks. And... uh, Sure, it, it involves uh, what I would consider the, the normal, the usual suspects, the, the AOPAs, the EAAs, the NBAAs of the world. But it also involves a lot of, of uh, uh, grassroots activists or grassroots participants, for lack of, for a better word. Um, local communities, chambers of commerce. Uh, uh, Airport advisory a- boards. Exactly. State aviation officials uh, are all... Uh, kind of grouping together this this builds on the theme that all politics is local and for lack of uh, uh, for lack of a better description this is a political fight and it's not something that uh, general aviation has done well in, in in the past 
this is one that we have to do well this this year um, because this will this will uh, uh, come back to bite us if user fees go through it will fundamentally change it will never go away fundamentally change the complexion of general aviation in this country and uh, we talked earlier about europe and uh, uh, how that that might be a model well that's a model from the standpoint of uh, if you want to develop a new class of aircraft that is is inexpensive to operate and inexpensive to own yes but if you want to have some freedom to operate and do it in the most economical fashion possible, then it's perhaps not a good model. And uh, all that is to say that uh, um, this user fee fight, we've, we've talked about this in previous episodes. We're going to be talking about it in future episodes. Hopefully one of these days we'll talk about it in an episode and be able to say that the fork was stuck in it. Uh, uh, this is dead. This is no longer an issue, at least for the current year. We, we, we look forward to nothing more than not having to talk about this. Thank you. So tell us more about some of your other flying experiences over the years. Uh, the Texas Tail Dragger may be the, the best, but uh, other airplanes you've owned over the years? Um, the only other airplane I owned was a Stearman. Oh. And, uh, well, another good one. Nice. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Same reason. I, I love tail draggers. Um, I like the challenge of, of flying them. I think you ought to know how to use your feet and uh, when you fly airplanes and that makes you be aware of the need to use your feet and i'm just a just a all-time uh, tail dragger fan i always have been but i've been very blessed in in life in flying um i'm uh, i'm 63 years old and i've been flying for 48 years so do the math um, I'm, and uh, i'm looking forward to uh, hitting my 50th year in a couple of years now, in terms of flying when you were acting administrator you would travel i assume via gulf stream sometimes um, uh, the FAA has a small executive fleet there nationally, which includes <laughs> a Gulfstream, a Lear, a does, Citation. Does an acting or permanent administrator get any right seat time? Um, actually, there is a, a provision for um, an administrator or a deputy or senior person to be involved in the flight program at the FAA's executive hangar at National Airport so that you can... Um, get some time in in the airplane. Uh, so of course, that, you got to be. A, you actually have to be an administrator or a deputy who's actually a pilot first, don't you? Yeah, being a pilot is uh, you know one of the prerequisites to uh, ending up on the seat of the airplane flying. So the, the, the here in the early stages David. of the 2008 presidential campaign, uh, here's a message from the uncontrolled airspace gang about who comes along as FAA administrator in the next administration. It'd be really nice to have somebody there that actually knows how to fly. Here, here, somebody with experience in general aviation. Not that there's anything wrong with not knowing how to fly, but it does, does not, not seem all that intuitive to have somebody running the world's largest, most efficient, most active aviation system. Who doesn't? It's very nice when they come to Oshkosh and say, boy, this has made me want to learn to fly, but it would be nice if they showed up with that already. Uh, in their and kit, it would uh, be nice if they followed through by after they say, I'd really like to learn how to fly. And, and, and didn't leave it. It was great looking and seeing the grass growing beneath my legs. Okay, this time I'm going to uh, drag us back on to subject here. I'm still curious. This, this time, he says. <laughs> I'm we still curious subject. about uh, some of these other airplanes you've flown. So, well, so you've owned two. You've obviously flown a lot of airplanes over the, over the years. Is there an airplane that you didn't own that you really wished you did? Oh, there are many airplanes that I have flown that I have not owned that I, I wish I did. What's the first one that pops into and, your mind? And um, uh, sort of at, at uh, you know, both ends of the spectrum, um, 
when I was in Air Force pilot training, I flew T-38s, and I've always thought I would love to have a T-38. It's just my own little, uh, you know, Ferrari with wings uh, for the high performance end of it. Um, and open cockpit biplanes are what I like at the other end of the spectrum, very much so. But I've said I've had the good fortune of probably flown 35 or 40 different types of aircraft from from ultralights to uh, heavy jet transports. I flew C-141s in the Air Force also, and um, and uh, flown just about uh, uh, every size category in, in between. So I, I love airplanes of all type. Well, if Barry's like a lot of us, it's easy to love the one you're with, but easier to lust after the one you don't have. Everyone wants to trade up. So what else? How did you come in here? Did you fly in here this year? I flew down commercially. Uh -huh. at, oh, uh, what at, a pity. It, Human mailing tube. Ah! Well, it might have been tough anyway with the, uh, the weather that came. I, I was very fortunate to get here. I came out of Baltimore um, on uh, Monday morning. Oh, yeah. And, Big time um, And when I got up, the winds were gusting, I don't know, 35 or 40 miles yeah. an hour. And I wasn't sure we were going to get out. We did. And it was a good thing we did because later they were gusting 50 or 60 and right. they canceled that's flights. That's right. I, that's the day I was driving down I-95. It was ugly. It was. Yeah. It was. I, I was in my hangar that afternoon, and uh, um, it, it was it was pretty fierce on occasion. Yeah. And this is where we actually, you know, take a moment to congratulate Jeb on actually getting his annual done on time to that's come right. down here on Tuesday. That's right. We we uh, got the annual inspection done. Those of our regular listeners who uh, uh, caught the last couple of episodes uh, knew that. Uh, uh, it started my annual inspection of my airplane a couple of three weeks ago, and uh, uh, by the skin of our teeth, we finally finished it up. Uh, by the skin of his skins. <laughs> finally finished it up uh, uh, on Monday. Um, had a couple of last-minute uh, G-Jaws to, to fix up and install Tuesday morning before Jack and I came down, but and then, we got and it And then done. Your, your test flight after the annual was? Was to Lakeland, Florida. Was to Lakeland, Florida. That's right. Now, Barry, do you do any maintenance on your aircraft? Only that which is allowed by Part 43 of the FARs. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I, I, I would echo uh, Let me see that. those fingernails, Barry. Let me see those fingernails. <laughs> I would echo that. Uh, I, uh, when I say biannual and we got it done, I'm talking about my, with the assistance your, your buddy of my Lee. certificated uh, inspection, uh, A&P mechanic with uh, uh, inspection authority. So, uh, um, uh, nothing, nothing uh, illegal. Nothing outside the bounds of uh, normal practices were accomplished. And uh, real quick, before we let you go, uh, because I know you got other places, but uh, we are going to see you up in Wisconsin uh, in July. I hope you'll certainly see me there. It'll be let's see now what what year is this? It'll be my 28th consecutive year. So wow, yeah, I'll yeah. be there. Yeah, there you wow, go. you were a late starter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. What took you so long, Barry? It is always, always a treat a to see you, and it was a thrill to have you on our little podcast here. Uh, thanks so much for dropping by, and I hope you don't mind. Maybe downstream some. Jack, Jeb, and I will uh, tap on you to appear on uh, un another one of our uncontrolled airspace podcasts when we do it by remote control, and you don't have to go to Lakeland to do it. Well, thank you very much. My pleasure. It's always a pleasure to see you, gentlemen. Thank anytime. you, Barry. Thank you very, very much. Thank thanks you very so much for dropping thanks, by. Appreciate and, uh, it. We hope you have a great show. Have a good time, and don't spend any more money than you absolutely have to. Well, this has been a, uh, a, a longer-than-usual podcast. Actually, those of you who are listening on the Internet know that we've probably split this in two, and you've gotten it in two, in two parts. But uh, before we put a fork in this one, are there any other, uh, uh, you know, well, shout-outs or last one, items? There is one there? thing. There and, is at uh, least one thing. Yeah, well, there's a couple, probably a couple of things, but there is one thing. I don't know if this is the, the thing that you and I are thinking about.
but uh, we should go ahead and do this now before we get too far, too much further afield. Somebody got a pitch pipe. Oh, we, man. We want to, uh, first off, our creator, producer, technical genius, I'm not sure how old he is today, but uh, we want to wish birthday wishes to our guy here, Jack Hodgson. Oh, I had no Happy idea. birthday. He doesn't look a day over right. 39. And today is the day. Today is the day. We're not talking about this week or, or last week or next week or something like that. Today is the day. Today uh, is the day. Happy April, birthday, uh, Jack. Thank you. And uh, we just want to, uh, on the air and, and publicly express our, our gratitude to Jack and our thanks for not just his his day-to-day work here on the podcast, but for literally coming up with this concept and getting Dave and I involved in this and getting us on board. No matter um, how you might feel about it. In no, no matter how our <laughs> listeners might feel about it, no matter how he might feel about it. Um, we, we are very appreciative uh, and recognize the effort and the professionalism that he has brought to this podcast. Something else that bears uh, pointing out uh, on this date is... Uh, Before we go on, I just want to say thank you for saying that. That's very nice. I appreciate that. I, it, I'm having a blast doing this. And we it's been a, a real pleasure to be able to uh, continue working with you guys throughout the year instead of just for 10 days every summer. And uh, But we have, we're just getting started. Oh, this yeah. podcast is, you know, stay tuned. Yeah, this is 25 and, you know, we're shooting for 125, 225, 325, so forth. Today is also the 65th anniversary of Doolittle's Raiders' attack on Japan during World War II. The first blow the United States struck back after Pearl Harbor. Uh, There's blessed few survivors left to that mission, but we'd be remiss if we didn't take a moment today to take our hats off to the heroes of that mission uh, because that had to be one of the ballsiest things in aviation history to take off from an aircraft carrier, Absolutely. medium bombers, something that had never been done before. And then one last little thing here. Now, we heard a little thing from our good friend Rick Reynolds at EAA in Oshkosh today, and uh, I'm sure there are a few listeners out there that might actually fit the profile. None of, so, none of them are seated here. None, none of them are seated here. <laughs> That's right. What Rick... What Rick forwarded to us, he sent us this little tip that he'd heard that uh, apparently the television show The Bachelor is currently auditioning people to appear on the next season or an upcoming season of the show. And what they're going for in this next season is for The Bachelor to be a pilot. Uh, and uh, so they're looking for uh, candidates, uh, looking for people. I was all excited until I learned some of the other parameters. Uh, they want somebody, what, 24 to 35? Yeah, I don't know. I have some of it in front of me 24 here. 24 to uh, 35, single, never married, no kids, but a pilot. Now, there's enough of us old farts crawling around at these things that we know we don't qualify. Yeah. But there's also a lot of younger guys out there who may. So... You might want to go to the Bachelor website. That's you might right. want to contact EAA. Now, we don't know what other uh, qualifications this, this successful candidate might require. We don't know, for example, if he has to have a, a six- or seven-figure bank account. We don't know if it or say he's he got does. his own or business say he does, Or uh, whether there's a uh, uh, specific – oh, we're getting jelly beans thrown at us. All, all right. right. All right. Hey. Jelly bellies. There's all a, right. There's a, 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 a RV. Uh, all right. For well, the deck here. A, a it's got the jelly bean logo written all over it. This, jelly jelly uh, this is uh, the first time in uncontrolled airspace's right. history that we've had thank candy you, thrown you, at thank us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But uh, the now producers are looking for an aviator, 
and uh, somebody right. that and puts so the other social profiles there, and it could be a career opportunity for some guy that's having trouble getting hired on by the airlines. That's right, because look at how well these Bachelor guys have done in past series uh, seasons. Right? <laughs> this could be true love. Yeah, this could right. be true this, love. This could be the one. So if you're interested in this, you can uh, go online, go to uh, www. TheBachelor.tv is the website. We'll put that in the show notes. And you can actually uh, su submit a, an application. I'm sure there's auditions and videotapes Did involved. They have to have but all like, the info you know, multi -ticket is there. Multi ticket or tail dragger sign off or, I mean, what? Don't think uh, it went into those details. I'm sure all those studly capabilities will enter into the oh, equation. Details, man. We want details. When, when, when you send in the go photo to, the to go with that, make sure you got your ball cap on forward. <laughs> what, else? <laughs> what else is going on? We got, we got a few more. What well, else is going on? Well, I think it, one thing when you walk around and, and you see that there are, is more than just airplanes about aviation. You yeah. see all the various services and things. And one thing I'm noticing is that there are more opportunities for people, pilots, to get together and go places by various uh, companies that organize group tours. And uh, uh, Pilots Journey, Air Journey is... is uh -huh been there doing this for a while and i was talking to uh terry Poole, who's runs the show there and he has just announced they're putting together a round the world group flight for a uh, maximum of nine aircraft and they're going to wind up at some point in oshkosh during the show so you will be one of those Whoa. earth rounders and you would, one would have a, a heck of a time. So this is also something exciting, that there are more opportunities for people to do things with their aircraft, and they can do it uh, with other people. Flat too. earthers need not apply. <laughs> That's right. Anything else? Well, just a, uh, a quick and dirty. There's thousands of airplanes on the field, tens of thousands of aviation fans on the field. Uh, sun and fun flying runs until Tuesday. Uh, I'm sorry, until Monday. If you, if you show Not up bad. Tuesday, you'll miss it. You, but you won't have any trouble finding a place to park. That's right. You, you'll uh, have to fly the Lake Parker arrival. So the, uh, you know, the message is there's still time to come down, enjoy some sun, some fun, go to the Corn Rose, go to Paradise City, watch a great air show, have a good time. It's Southern hospitality. And, and so That's right. Far, so far, Sun and Fun has lived up to its yeah. name. It, the sun is, was here. It has been fun. It will be fun uh, later in the week, and hopefully there will be more sun. That's so right. Come on down. And the people here always make it very enjoyable. They, the volunteer staff is always so helpful and so energetic, and we thank them all for all they're Absolutely. doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to thank uh, Dave Schalbetter uh, from EAA Radio and all of his staff. Uh, Try again. It's not EAA Radio. Oh, man, I did it again. I'm sorry. I want to thank Dave Shawbetter of Sun, and, Sun fun and Fun Radio. I want to thank Donna Gabriel, who's a from the Sun and Fun for staff. Sun and fun. For, Dale uh, Klapmeyer from Cirrus, Barry Valentine, the former uh, acting administrator of the FAA, and all-around good guy and pilot. Craig uh, Barnett. All the folks who are Mark. listening. Jim Belcher, the engineer yeah. that's helping make this possible to go out over Sun and that's Fun right. Radio. You think I want to Dale? thank all the, the diesel uh, trucks and tractors rolling <laughs> by in the background. <laughs> and we want to thank the Raiders that are going around uh, tipping the uh, the trash cans and keeping the place spotlessly but, clean. But, and also we want to thank our listeners for, for our, their support and uh, for their encouragement and for helping Absolutely. make this all happen. And Dave Higdon of DaveHigdon.com, Jeb Burnside from JebBurnside.com, James Winbrandt from Google his name. It's a trip. <laughs> <laughs>
One of these days we're going to have you on the podcast and tell us, let you tell us about the, what is it, the dentist book. Is that the uh, one? The dentist one, book. Yes. Right? Yeah, the dentist so. book. Well, you also did a book about the, the history of JetBlue. And, yes, uh, a number of them, about nine and, or ten uh, at this and, point. And he's been in on the majority of the uh, show dailies at, uh, at Oshkosh for the last that's 14 right. years. And he's going to be with us again this year. Yes, so. that's right. And I end the sun and fun. And I am Jack Hodgson at jackhodgson.com. Visit us all at the uncontrolled website, uncontrolledairspace.com. Two hours is too long he to be on this podcast. <laughs> he, he that is that clearly out. the issue here, all right? We've learned a lesson. Two hours is too long. At the un- Visit us all at the uncontrolledairspace.com. A little bit too much is website. just enough. And, uh, and I guess that's it for today. I want to thank everyone for listening. We'll talk to you again next time. <laughs> Late over in the evening, I feel like like blowing my home. You can email your suggestions and feedback about this podcast to podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. Late over in the evening, man, I feel like like blowing my home.